Hi, this is Dr. Vargas Lowy, your child neurologist. In today's episode, uh, I'm going to talk about ADHD. So in the um, official classification of ADHD in the ICD-10, there are two main types of ADHD. ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And the main two types are the inattentive type, uh, which is the attention deficit part of it, in which the kids are not especially hyperactive, but they show signs of inattention, of uh, difficulty focusing. The second type is the inattentive and hyperactive type, uh, which is also called the combined type, in which there is inattention, and on top of that there's hyperactivity. Kids are fidgety, they have a hard time sitting down, doing them their homework, etc. So uh, the next question is, how do we determine whether uh, your kid has ADHD, whether it's one type or the other? Um, and the main tool is uh, by taking the history, you know, talking to the kid, uh, talking to the parents, uh, see what their um, manifestations are, what kind of uh, symptoms they have, what kind of signs they show. Uh, and we take into consideration the input from the teachers as well, uh, because very often kids, at least before uh, the pandemic, uh, they spend a lot of time with their teachers uh, and it's easier to determine whether they have these kind, these kind of signs. Um, and very usually, just like I mentioned before, uh, they talk about the kid being daydreaming all the time or being unable uh, to sit at the desk and completing the tasks that they're assigned. Uh, they start talking to other kids, they get up, they start running around, they look outside the window, uh, etc. Uh, the parents can see this uh, behavior as well when they're at the kitchen table. They don't focus on eating the their dinner. They get up. Uh, they start playing with their toys. Even uh, during playtime, you can see that instead of focusing on one uh, toy or one item, like making a puzzle, they start switching from one thing to another. So that's the inattentive type as well as the uh, uh, hyperactive type, right? Um then, uh, other than the history, and, you know, us as physicians, we can sit in the exam room as well. Uh, kids, instead of being uh, sitting on the exam table, uh, they start, uh, you know, opening the faucet, taking out the, the paper towels, uh, playing with my tools. Uh, very often they look at my computer and start typing on my computer and, and stuff like that. Uh, so other than um, the history and observing the kid in the exam room, uh, we use uh, a tool, uh, which is a questionnaire. Um, and it's like 45 questions in which we assess all these symptoms that I've been talking about. Um, it's called, the one, there's several of them out there. Uh, the one that we use more frequently is called the Vanderbilt Assessment Scales. Um, and this is a tool that, that's been approved by the American Pediatrics Association. Uh, and it's very useful for us to, you know, in a more or less objective way. It's never objective uh, because it's all about assessing the behavior of a kid. And there's always subjectivity involved in that. Um, and part of the reason why we do that is because we can get one questionnaire for the parents and one questionnaire for the teachers. 
And then uh, one uh, of the criteria to diagnose ADHD, independently of what type it is, is that it has to happen at different locations, both at school and uh, at, uh, uh, at, at home. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, home means that there's two households, the father, the mother, or the two, the two fathers, the two mothers, etc. Um, and we actually, when that happens, we actually want the input from both parents because sometimes the behavior of a kid uh, is in response to the interaction they have with uh, either the mother or the father, and then you don't see it in the other household. Um, so, you know, that's something that we want to, to understand as well because sometimes, you know, uh, it's, it's more of a behavioral disorder and uh, it requires intervention in, ter in terms of, you know, analyzing the, the, um, the, the problems that might arise from the interaction of the kid with the father or with the mother. Um, so taking all these into consideration, uh, we come to the conclusion of whether your kid has ADHD or not and what type of ADHD he or she has. Now, once we have the diagnosis, uh, I want to make it very clear that this is not a disease. Uh, this is not something that uh, is going to be there for the rest of their lives. Very often it does. Uh, you know, someone is hyperactive and inattentive when they're a child and that carries on for the rest of their life. Uh, but very often uh, what I see in my practice is that as kids get more responsible and they understand the importance of, uh, you know, behaving at school, behaving at, uh, at home, uh, they see the consequences of good behavior. You know, things are easier. They don't get reprimanded as much. Uh, then um, their behavior improves. Uh, their level of attention improves because, uh, you know, they consciously know, they're aware that they actually have to ha get better scores, get, get better, better grades, be able to become whatever, a doctor or whatever they want to be. Um, so we see, we see very often in adolescents, uh, you know, when they turn 12 to 14, that things get better. Sometimes they don't, that's true. Uh, and, you know, many adults have ADHD and that's the proof of it. Um, so uh, that's the first thing. Uh, it's more uh, a trait of personality more than, and, you know, our personalities evolve over time, uh, but it's more a trait of personality uh, rather than a disease per se, okay? Uh, so that's in terms of the diagnosis. Uh, now, what do we do? Um, well, you know, first we have an evaluation in the clinic or through telemedicine, and then we come up with a plan. We come up with a management plan. And uh, in the management plan, uh, well, first we have to know the, the, the degree of inattention of hyperactivity, uh, as well as other comorbidities. And by, by, by comorbidities, I mean other things that may be happening together uh, with, the, with the inattention and the hyperactivity and or the hyperactivity. Uh, and there's many things that can uh, affect your level of attention. Uh, one of them, very important, that we always have to assess is sleep. And these, uh, this is very, very understandable, right? If you're not able to sleep as well, uh, sleep well at night, then during the day you're going to have a hard time concentrating. Uh, and you're going to have bad behaviors. You know, this happens to all of us independently of having ADHD or not. So we have to assess sleep. And if sleep, we see that it's actually a problem then we have to address that problem and we can help in many, many, many ways. Um, uh, another thing that can influence our level of attention and our behaviors during the day 
is anxiety. And that's something that's very important to assess as well. If you're anxious, you're constantly thinking about stuff in your head and you have a difficulty concentrating, right? Uh, so those are the two main things. But, you know, there's depression as well. Uh, there, and any other kind of uh, psychological issue can lead to inattention. Uh, so those are the main things that we have to rule out or assess together with uh, ADHD. Once we do that, then we come up with a plan. Uh, if the ADHD is not very severe um, or if the parents don't want to use, you know, strong medications that are typically used with uh, ADHD, we can come up with some supplements that help with ADHD. We can come up uh, with some herbs that can help with sleep, for instance, uh, and come up, you know, with a whole uh, range of uh, supplements, vitamins, uh, etc., minerals as well uh, that can help with ADHD and uh, and, and start there. And typically I do that. Unless there's a very severe uh, problem such as autism spectrum disorder, uh, you know, typically kids um, do well just on supplements. Then the other very important part of the management of ADHD uh, is therapy. And by therapy, I mean uh, an interventional therapy, uh, seeing either an occupational therapist or a psychotherapist, someone who can help guide the kid towards you know, improving their attention, improving their behavior, not being so hyperactive in, in, in some settings. Uh, together with therapy, and that I include in therapy, would be um, having an active lifestyle. Uh, you know, naturally, kids who are four, six, eight, ten years old, they're active, they're outside, they're running, they're doing sports. And, you know, we've seen a rise in the cases of ADHD during the pandemic because of the confinement. You know, kids are staying home. They're not going out as much. Maybe now it's not so, so bad, but, you know, this has been a problem. Uh, and, you know, independently of the pandemic, our lifestyles are kind of sedentary. You know, kids stay at home. They play video games. They watch TV, Netflix, YouTube, etc. Um, so we have to actually try to change that uh, in their lifestyles. We have to encourage uh, participating in sports, exercising every single day for at least an hour. And that will help uh, with with. These kind of behaviors. Um, in terms of therapy, uh, I have a list of therapists that I can recommend to you. It's not always easy to find someone for for children. Uh, it's a scarce resource, uh, but you know, down the road we can we can find we can help you find find someone. Um, other than that, going back to minerals and vitamins that we can use, typically we use uh, magnesium. Uh, depending on the age of and weight of your kid, we can use different doses of magnesium. We also use fish oil or krill oil. Um, these are things that you just take like your multivitamins. You take it every day. Uh, we also use vitamin B6. Again, depending on your weight, depending on your age, you take different doses. And this is something that we can talk about when we do the, the, the evaluation of your kid. Um, and those are, you know, those are the main supplements that we use. There's many others. If you want to help with sleep, we can use valerian root. We can use melatonin. Uh, and, you know, we, we are going to have a conversation about how to use each one of these. Um, now... This works in many kids. I would say like probably 50, 60, 70% of my patients do well exclusively on therapy and supplements. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's not enough. 
Um, and the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about ADHD um, is stimulants, right? Your Concerta, Ritalin, um, Vivans, Adderall, etc. These are medications that uh, work very well, that's true, but we have to remember that they're controlled substances. They're very strong medications. You need special scripts once a month. There's no uh, refills allowed. So, you know, these, these are measures that are uh, put in place by uh, the DEA uh, to control. That's why they're control control substances, so that people don't abuse them. They're, there's, uh, you know, there's a risk for uh, dependence. There's a risk for abuse. There's a risk of even, you know, like uh, reselling the medication when you know when kids are older. So it's a real danger. Um, so, you know, I'm careful. Uh, sometimes it's needed and sometimes they work. Another problem that I see with stimulants is that very often you have to ramp up the doses. Sometimes they don't work and then you have to try a different one and then ramp up the dose again. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical on the um, excessive use of uh, stimulants that we have here in the United States. Um, if you actually compare the data of the United States with, say, England, uh, which is, you know, a similar culture, uh, you see that stimulants are used in the United States up to six times more than in England. So that tells you that, you know, there's, there's other ways to, to address this issue. Um, now, there's other medications that are not stimulants. Uh, there's, for instance, one called guanfacine, which is uh, a medication in the family of the alpha-2 agonists, which calms down your nerves. You know, your typical uh, fight-or-flight response, which is called the sympathetic response, what guanfacine does is that it brings it down a little bit so that you're not so hyper, so you're able to concentrate a little bit better. There's another one in the same family of alpha-2 agonists called clonidine. Do not, be, do not confuse with clonopin, which is a benzo for anxiety. This is clonidin. Uh, and this one is in the same family of guanfacine, but it makes you a little bit sleepy. Uh, so we typically use it more at night before bedtime. It helps with sleep, and then it helps with uh, your ADHD as well. So these are the main treatment groups. Again, to summarize, we use supplements, we use therapy, uh, exercising, and then uh, we try to improve anxiety and sleep. Then uh, we use supplements such as magnesium, vitamin B6, and fish oil. And then we use medication, whether they're stimulants or non-stimulants. Um, so this is, in the nutshell, how we... Uh, evaluate and manage ADHD. Um, so, you know, uh, set up an appointment with me if I'm already seeing your kid. We're going to continue to work together and things get better. So don't lose hope. <laughs> Thank you. This was Dr. Vargas Lowy, your personal child neurologist. <laughs>